Coming up on HIGMT, is the dream of a flying car actually going to happen within the next two years? That might be the case if Elon has his way with the upcoming Roadster. And I also provide listeners with an update to the How I Got My Tesla podcast. Welcome to How I Got My Tesla, the podcast of Indeterminate Life for Saturday, February 20th, 2021, episode 30 in Ottawa, Ontario. I'm Matt Wilson. Let's start off with a few Tesla things you should know. Elon Musk recently sat down with Joe Rogan and he had a lot to say about the upcoming Tesla Roadster. During the interview, Elon mentioned that he's hopeful that the Roadster will begin shipping sometime in 2022 and depending on the Roadster configuration, it would include cold gas thrusters from SpaceX just to help with acceleration. And if that was not enough, Elon also teased I'd like to see the thrusters placed under the roaster so it could hover anywhere between a few feet and six feet above the ground and even travel at a fast rate of speed while hovering. Even if the roaster was not able to hover, Elon is hoping that the cold gas thrusters can give the roaster an additional three tons of force to help aid in acceleration. And as for the steering yoke that was revealed with the refreshed Model S and Model X, Elon suspects that drivers would not be actually using the yoke very much, but instead be relying on autopilot to get around. So for years, we've been hearing about flying cars, and I'm wondering if uh, if Elon is actually tired of people always dreaming of flying cars. I'm wondering if the Tesla Roadster with the hovering capabilities and so-called flying capabilities will actually uh, <laughs> sort of cement his legacy of actually bringing a mass market flying car to the masses. But um, actually, in, come to think of it, I think if... If the, the Roadster was able to hover and to fly around, it would definitely be for a limited amount of time. And I would suspect that this type of activity would be relegated to uh, private property use only. There's no way uh, the feds would... <laughs> would permit uh you know a roadster lifting up off the ground say six feet and uh, hovering over other vehicles just to maybe try and avoid uh you know an accident or uh other traffic but uh you know it might be something cool to see like i said on private property you know in the safety of somebody's backfield where they're not actually going to hurt uh, hurt anything they may end up hurting themselves if the uh, thrusters uh run out of propellant and it comes crashing down <laughs> But, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, the hovering roadster within the next two years, I think this will probably uh, end the discussion with people saying, well, where's my flying car? Uh, yeah, okay, well, Elon Musk gave us our flying car. It's not exactly what we would see, like, uh, <laughs> impact of the future with a flying DeLorean. But, uh, you know, it's at least it's uh, something that could be used to kind of <laughs> conclude the discussion that we've been having for decades about having flying cars. Tesla will soon be offering the option to drivers who are leasing their Tesla EV to purchase a vehicle after the lease term has expired. Tesla.com has an article and Tesla has for quite some time not allowed leasers to purchase their Tesla but instead had to return the vehicle at the end of their lease term. Once returned, the Tesla would be added to Tesla's fleet of available used offerings or tossed over to a third-party reseller. In Canada, U.S., and in Europe, Tesla previously made the option to purchase after the lease term, but those options were relegated to the Model S and Model X. Recent filings with the SEC indicated that Tesla might be including the lease-to-buy option in their current leasing terms in some areas in Europe and Asia. Currently, countries that have a lease-to-buy option are Belgium, Croatia, Denmark, France, Italy, the Netherlands, Poland, and Thailand. 
Tesla is quietly rolling out a refreshed Model Y and making them available for viewing at Tesla showrooms nationwide. The refreshed Model Y is now in line with the refreshed Model 3 that was released in the fall of 2020. New for the Model Y are the revised center console, heated steering wheel, and possibility for a HEPA air filtration system. Tesla's new windshield wiper patent was recently approved and we could be seeing it on the new Tesla Roadster and Cybertruck. Instead of using a traditional wiper design complete with motors and different linkages, Tesla would be using an electromagnetic linear actuator to move the single wiper blade from side to side and allow the blade to tuck under the hood when not in use. Tesla hopes to use a wiper blade so large that it would be big enough to clean the entire windshield area. So if you want specific details on the patent application, including diagrams, you should definitely check out the Tesserati link in the show notes below. CNET's The Roadshow has noted another recall for Tesla, but unlike last week's recall over faulty memory modules on the Model S and Model X, this particular recall is for the Model X over some faulty trim adhesive. Some 12,000 affected Model Xs have been recalled by Germany's KBA, which is about the same governing body as the National Highway Transportation and Safety Administration in the U.S., KBA requested the worldwide recall over the trim adhesive since in the event of an adhesive failure, the trim can detach itself from the vehicle, causing a safety issue. And Tesla recently adjusted their prices on their Model 3 and Model Y this week, according to electric.co. Now keep in mind the prices that I'm quoting are in US dollars. As of this recording, uh, Tesla has yet to change any of the Model 3 and Model Y prices here in Canada. So as for the Model 3, uh, Tesla dropped the price of the standard range plus by $1,000 while raising the price of the performance version by the same $1,000. Prices starting uh, for the standard range plus now start at uh, $36,990 for the and for the performance version, prices start at $55,990. The price for the mid-tier long-range Model 3 remains unchanged at $46,990. Interestingly, uh, the Model Y had a $2,000 price adjustment for the standard range version, and the price for the performance Model Y went up by $1,000. The lowest price for a standard range Model Y now starts at $39,990, while the performance version starts at $60,990. Like the mid-tier long-range Model 3, the long-range Model Y remains unchanged at $49,990. This is great news for anyone that's trying to get into a Tesla vehicle of some sort. The fact that Tesla is able to lower the prices of their base models by you know, uh, not an insignificant amount of money. It, you know, just opens up the barrier to entry for those people who want to get into an EV of some sort. And I think with pressure coming on from other vehicle manufacturers who are just starting to get into the EV space, uh, this allows Tesla to lower their prices to be more in line with, um, well, probably not so much be in line with what is being currently offered at a cheaper price from other automobile manufacturers, but at least it gives uh, Tesla the flexibility to lower the prices just a little bit to make people think, well, you know, sure, I could go for, you know, a Chevy Bolt, uh, but for maybe a couple thousand dollars and I can scrape together, maybe I can get myself into a Tesla Model 3 or a Model Y. So, um, yeah, I think the ability for Tesla to change the prices on their base models is great for uh, new people who are trying to get into a Tesla vehicle such as myself. Um, and while also making up for those prices uh, with raising the prices on their performance versions, um, you know, gives uh, probably Tesla a little bit more flexibility in recouping whatever uh, money might have been cost on their base models.
With the colder weather descending on Texas this past week, we're starting to hear stories of those individuals who were probably spared the worst by either relying on installed Tesla solar panels and power walls or even their vehicles themselves. With rolling blackouts, some Tesla owners are being creative with keeping their members of their family warm overnight by spending the overnight hours in their electric vehicles. Tesserati.com has several stories on what some people have had to go through in Texas, and I will include their link in the show notes below. And speaking about Texas, we might as well take a look at Gigafactory Texas that's under construction. Uh, thanks again to Joe Tegmeyer and Jeff Roberts for their daily drone footage. In Joe Tegmeyer's February 13th video, Joe goes into some details regarding the expected stormwater management that's going to be used at Gigafactory Texas, including some pictures of possible precast structures and design principles. The structures that are being delivered on site are the very first items that have to do with the required underground infrastructure that is needed for the Gigafactory. The overall progression on the site has slowed quite a bit over the past week, mainly due to the unusually cold weather, bringing in snow, freezing rain, and power outages. Looks like all on-site concrete production has stopped, which is to be expected with the freezing cold temperatures. One of the first casting machines seems to be fully assembled in the Model Y casting plant, and HVAC ductwork is now being assembled in the southeast corner within the stamping plant. There are now 18 mobile crawler cranes now on site, which is about two less than were present a few weeks ago. So let's talk about the How I Got My Tesla podcast. Um, back in episode 20, I talked about going down to one vehicle for the family starting in May of this year and that the funds normally allocated to a second vehicle would be better utilized somewhere else within the household budget. So this meant that I had to do some spreadsheet calculations to find out what the lowest amount of cash is needed to get into the Tesla Model 3 or Model Y by the fall of 2022. And the fall of 2022 is an important date for me because that is when the lease is up on my Mazda CX-5. Again, I wanted to ensure that the overall finances of the house are not affected by the lease or purchase of a Tesla EV. So after all the calculations were completed, I found out that in order to get into a Model 3 Standard Range Plus, I would need $6,300 cash for a four-year lease or $14,500 cash for an outright purchase over an eight-year term. Now, as for a Model Y standard range, I would need $12,000 cash for a four-year lease and $18,000 cash for an outright purchase, again, over an eight-year term. So breaking these numbers down on a per-month basis, I would need to squirrel away anywhere between $330 and $950 per month for the next 19 months to get myself into a Tesla Model 3 or a Model Y. So... It looks like I do have my work cut out for me. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but then again, this isn't uh, something that's going to be really all that impossible to achieve. I just need to uh, continue to work hard. So let's uh, talk about the podcast itself. Now, for podcasts, I've been listening to podcasts for about 15 years now, and during that time, I've listened to countless tech-related podcasts and podcasts dedicated to covering reality TV. I know, I know, it's a vice, um, you know, but, you know, I suppose there are far worse things that uh, could be a vice uh, other than watching uh, reality TV. So um, these podcasts have actually provided me a knowledge base I use every day in my work and also provides me uh, a lot of entertainment with hours of analysis of reality TV shows like Survivor and Big Brother. Anyways, if uh, if you would have told me a year ago that I would have started a podcast, I, I would have thought that you were actually crazy. Um, not only would I have started a podcast and supported a website, but I would have over 4,000 subscribers. Um, 
yeah, again, you're crazy. There's no way, uh, you know, I'm going to be able to uh, start a podcast. But after starting that podcast, there's one thing that I didn't realize and that there is no way that I would have known how supportive the Tesla community is and how much passion Tesla drivers have for the vehicles. Uh, it's really something special and something that I am committed to being part of. I really do want to help advocate for the effort, uh, for the electrification of vehicles uh, to reduce our overall impact on the environment. And most importantly for me, uh, to disrupt the method in which vehicles sold and purchased with over 23 years of experience working with new car dealerships. I know for certain that the business model is primed for disruption and Tesla is already showing that traditional dealerships, uh, that there is a simpler and better way to get um, a new vehicle into driver's uh, driveways. So no other, I can't think of another established automobile manufacturer that has the capacity of what Tesla is currently doing, which is basically providing a premier automotive product without the unnecessary legacy overhead that plagues dealerships today, and which in turn provides a lesser vehicle in terms of dollars spent. Okay, so going back to the podcast that you're listening now, one of the biggest surprises uh, of hosting a podcast, let alone a very technical podcast that covers all things Tesla related, is actually the amount of work that's involved. I have no idea how other podcasters are able to do what they do, uh, which is to produce quality podcasts week after week, often approaching an hour in length. I just don't know how they do it. I don't know how they have the time they say that producing one minute of video takes about an hour's worth of video editing. And I really do suspect that the same is true for a podcast when you include all the script writing, the audio recording, editing, and eventual uploading onto my website. I am honestly spending most evenings going through Tesla articles and writing scripts for the show each week. It's an enormous amount of work, but I know that at the end of each week, I've done my very best to put out a podcast, even if the podcast is about 10 minutes long. I really do wish I could make each podcast about a half hour long, but for now, that's something that I will have to continue to reach for. Um, maybe I just need to talk a little bit slower. So in terms of moving the podcast forward and moving myself forward towards a Tesla of some sort, I've decided to open myself up a little bit and allow myself to be humbled by some of my listeners. So if you, my listeners, want to be part of something special for me and my family and you want to support me financially towards a Tesla, um, starting in March, I'll actually be starting a Patreon page. Uh, I'm currently working with Patreon, um, so any involvement from my listeners will be as low impact as possible. Now, make no mistake, 100% of the donations brought forward through Patreon and my backers will be directed towards Tesla, uh, 100%. Um, the, it won't be going anywhere else. As for specific Patreon details, um, I'll let everyone know in the next couple of weeks, but without giving too much away, I'll let everyone know that yes, there will be a $1 tier. I personally support many content creators on Patreon. I know the power that one single dollar can have on the lives of those creators. So, and even if you don't support me on Patreon, I completely understand. I will continue to put forward the best podcast that I possibly can each and every week, just like I have for the last 30 weeks. Which again, if you would have told me 30 weeks ago that, you know, I would be continuing to pump out this podcast week after week, I would have thought, wow, you're crazy. But here we are 30, 30 weeks later and I'm still doing this. So, and it, that just speaks for, uh, you know, the, the, how much I believe in what Tessa is doing and how much, 
uh, I'm willing to advocate on their behalf to disrupt the already established businesses that we have for um, uh, purchasing new cars. I, I've always long held the belief that you know this those businesses are perfectly set up for disruption, and I'm pretty sure that Tesla is one of those uh, businesses that is going to be able to push a better buying experience for drivers by pro- by providing them with a better quality product. And finally, uh, eagle-eyed v- uh, visitors to the How I Got My Tesla website might have noticed that there's been some ongoing updates to the progression chart at the bottom of the main page. That's right, there's movement. <laughs> I'm no longer at $195 launch deficit. Actually, I'm around $2,000 towards my goal of getting a Tesla of some sort. So you're probably wondering, you know, what's been going on over the last couple months. Well, as much as I love to say that Elon Musk himself has contributed to my cause, well, that's not really the case. But then again, maybe he has without actually knowing it. Uh, I guess it's all a matter of perspective. The reason why that I'm about $2,000 towards my goal is that I actually own two shares of Tesla. You know, there as as Tesla shares price increases, so does the value of my two shares. So you're probably wondering, um, how did I get two shares? <laughs> How did I get two shares of Tesla and why only two? Well, you know, that that's an interesting story. So I think what I'll do is uh, I might as well go ahead and tell you the story of how I got these two shares. So back in t- August 2020, Elon mentioned that he would be splitting any shares of Tesla at a five to one ratio. Now, I've always wanted to purchase one share of Tesla and I'm not exactly sure why, but uh, the steep price at the time kept me from doing so. But after some hard work and some talks with my wife, Karen, um, I was given the green light to purchase one share <laughs> one share of Tesla. So, okay, so how does a regular guy such as myself purchase one share of Tesla, uh, one of the most valued companies in the world? Again, this is something that I've never done um, uh, previously. So this is all <laughs> all new to me. So after getting nowhere with the usual banks up here in Canada, um, I really don't think that they have any interest in, you know, people such as myself (laughs) buying shares in super low volumes. I think they're more interested in mutual funds and stuff like that. Uh, So after getting nowhere with the banks up here in Canada, um, I tried my luck with one of the many uh, online brokerage firms and I was actually able to open an account to get started. The problem was uh, at the time that I was in a race against a calendar. I had to purchase my one share of Tesla before it actually splits. Now, by now, it was around mid-September, and I only had a few days to seal the deal. Another problem for me, and I didn't know the impacts at the time, was that Tesla stock was increasing every day by a considerable amount. The longer I took to purchase the stock, the more expensive it would be to actually purchase. Now, keep in mind, I also had a set budget too. It was really a race. Either I was going to be too late to take advantage of the upcoming split or I was going to be priced out of the stock purchase altogether. Well, that should pretty much do it for episode 30. I'm just kidding. Let's keep talking about this. (laughs) So at the time, one share of Tesla would have ended up costing me about $2,300 Canadian. I had... um, First, I had to transfer the money from my personal account into the brokerage account. Luckily for me, I had started uh, the process a few days prior, so I left myself a little bit of buffer space in terms of getting the first transaction to be actually completed. 
So uh, a couple days later, I logged into my brokerage account only to find out that the transaction has not been completed. I was like, oh, crap. Okay, okay, calm down. Um, <laughs> let's just see what happens midday. Maybe it'll show up after a few hours. And yes, sure again. Um, I checked again and the money was actually transferred into my brokerage account. Okay, so let's just buy this one share of Tesla and I can just move on with my day. Crap, it's not letting me. Turns out that Tesla stock was a little was on a little bit of a tear at the time and when I included the exchange rate, I found myself $53 short and that was after giving myself an extra $150 to cover the rate in which Tesla stock was ri rising each day. So basically, I was screwed. I had to transfer more cash from my savings into the brokerage account. So, okay, fine, no problem, we can do this. Uh, I initiated the transfer, I had to wait until the next day to see if the transfer was successful. Again, I only had a few days to complete the purchase, otherwise I was gonna miss the five to one split. So the next day came, as soon as the markets opened, I logged into my brokerage account to see that, okay, yes, you know, the transaction has completed overnight. Okay, let's buy this share. Crap, it wasn't allowing me to purchase the stock again. And I didn't know at the time, but uh, because Tesla stock was rose so much during after hours trading, uh, as soon as the markets opened, I found myself $7 short. Yes, $7 short. So I had one shot left. So I decided to transfer a bit more cash into the brokerage account, but I had to wait again until the next day, see if I was be able to purchase that one single share of Tesla. So the next day came and I tried one last time. This would have been the last day I would have been able to purchase the share and take a, uh, advantage of the upcoming split. So I logged into my brokerage account and I saw that I was able to purchase a share. And by day's end, I was happy to see in my account that I had uh, owned one single share of Tesla. I was able to purchase the share of Tesla in time for the expe uh, expected split. Problem was that lonely share almost costed me about $2,600 Canadian. So I had some explaining to do. Uh, I had not expected to spend so much, but luckily for me, my wife saw how important the purchase was for me. So she basically let me off the hook with a very significant eye roll. Now the stock purchase did come with one condition and as soon as the stock splits and we break even, uh, I needed to sell four shares of Tesla so we could put the money back uh, into our whole household budget. And then again, I would be left with one single share of Tesla. Now, luckily for me, Tesla stock continued to climb even after the five to one split. So I kept an eye on my brokerage account and eventually sold, uh, sold three shares of Tesla for the same $2,600 that I put into purchasing just a few months prior. So this meant I was left with two shares of Tesla stock, and those are those <laughs> those are the two shares that will contribute towards financing my future Tesla, whatever that will be. So in essence, as Tesla succeeds, as their stock prices continue to climb, so does the overall value of my two shares. Now, looking back, I would have liked to have invested more into Tesla at the very beginning, but it's just something that I don't have the foresight or intuition for. All I can do is continue my journey towards a Tesla of some sort and my two lowly shares of Tesla are gonna help me uh, on my way. 
So I hope you found that story somewhat enjoyable. It's one of the many stories I am hoping to tell during the life of this podcast. And as mentioned previously, if you want to help me towards into a Tesla of some sort starting in March, I invite you to check out my Patreon page. Uh, the tiers I've set up are very reasonable and come with some great perks should you decide to support me. And again, even if you don't, that's perfectly okay with me too. I completely 100% understand. I will continue to put out uh, my weekly podcasts. Well, that should pretty much do us for episode 30. If you're looking to purchase a new Tesla and you want 1,000 free supercharging miles, feel free to use my referral program link in the show notes below or head on over to TSLA slash Matthew 40942. It looks like Chatty is the only person to make use of my referral program link. So thanks, Chatty. Uh, Let's try hashtag for this episode let's try hashtag flying roadster and the overall hashtag for this podcast is hashtag h-i-g-m-t and if you have any comments for me or any feedback you can feel free to throw me an email at how i got my tesla at gmail.com and as always you can watch my progress towards a tesla by visiting how i got my tesla.com you can also follow me on twitter instagram and now clubhouse by simply searching for how i got my tesla You can look for me on Clubhouse where I'll be hosting an informal chat about the topics covered this past week. So I invite you to share your thoughts and stories on all things Tesla. So thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Matt Wilson and hosted by Squarespace. Music for this episode is Cascade by Cubby. 